Hello and welcome back to the Missing in the Desert podcast. Today's episode is part two of the case of Christy Stewart. With all of the facts of this case previously laid out, I would like to focus this episode on some specific sticking points in this case for me. So let's talk about assumptions and delays. I mentioned previously that Christy Stewart suffered from bipolar disorder and that she had been weaning off of her medication slowly under the supervision of her physician. She was feeling, quote-unquote, like trash on the day of her disappearance, according to her father, but that is to be expected when weaning off of any psychiatric medications. You can have symptoms similar to withdrawal from drugs and alcohol when you stop such meds, and obviously it can affect your mood. Does that mean it should automatically be assumed that someone in Christie's situation who goes missing should be assumed to be a voluntary missing person? That was the classification given to Christie from the beginning of her case, and that designation would be the very thing that slowed down the investigative process. Let's go back to the day Christie went missing in March of 2015. Even though she wasn't feeling great, she had plans for her day. I want to emphasize that because I think it is a very important part of this case. She had an appointment at the dentist for an infection in her tooth. Upon arriving to the dentist's office, she was told that the dentist could not work on her tooth until she took a course of antibiotics. Christy wasn't happy about this. Nevertheless, she got a prescription from the dentist and was going to be on her way. According to the staff, Christy thought she had lost her keys in the short time she was in the office, and it was commented that she seemed flustered or upset. She did have a spare key to her vehicle that she kept in the visor, something that was confirmed by her parents as well as it being found when her vehicle was recovered. So she left the dentist's office and set out to head across the street to a nearby shopping center to get her prescription filled. She did fill that prescription, a fact verified when her vehicle was found and the prescription bag and medication were found on the seat of her truck. After this, she contacted her friend, whose house she was going to be spending the night at, and told her she would be on her way. She then went in to the bed, bath, and beyond in the same center, used the bathroom, and came out. We know about the steps Christy took, not because of any video footage, but because bloodhounds were brought in that were arranged by her parents to trace her steps from the dentist's office to the last place she had been seen before her disappearance. The bloodhounds traced Christy from the dentist's parking lot across the street to the Rite Aid shopping center, to Bed Bath and beyond, inside the store to the women's restroom, back out of the restroom and outside of the store. This is where the trail takes an interesting turn. The dogs did not trace her back to her truck or rather to around the side of the building to a parking spot. I know the shopping center very well. I frequent it myself and I get all of my prescriptions at the same Rite Aid that Christy visited that day. The area on the side of the Bed Bath & Beyond building is a blind spot to anyone looking at the front of the store. I try not to park over there myself because of that blind spot. The conclusion that the handler of the dogs came to was that Christy must have gotten into another vehicle. When it comes to the dogs, they also were brought back in when her truck was discovered in the desert a few days later, and they could not find Christie's scent at the side of the truck dump. Back to the word assumptions for a minute. 
When I hear that someone has a mental illness, or I'm sorry, when other people hear that someone has a mental illness, rather, a lot of assumptions are made. This is especially true when someone has bipolar disorder. It is the modern era's schizophrenia in the media now, isn't it? You can bet if a character in a TV show or in a movie is having a meltdown or doing really bad things, they must be bipolar. Hell, people even use the word as an adjective constantly on social media. The weather here is so bipolar. It has become a catchphrase, something to joke about and or something to judge someone on. From the moment Christy went to the dental office, they took her being upset about not being able to get her tooth treated as her being overly upset. As if any one of us wouldn't be upset that we couldn't get treatment for a tooth that was infected and hurting. Um, we, we want to get something treated that day and we go in, whether it be to a doctor or a dentist. And if we can't get treated that day, we become a little bit upset. Um, that's not abnormal. That's not, well, she was, you know, freaking out because she couldn't get her tooth treated. Um, also, her feeling like she had lost her keys made her, quote-unquote, flustered. It doesn't seem so strange to me that if she was upset about her tooth and then thought she lost her keys, it would frustrate her even more, especially if she was feeling like trash that day. I mean, I think any one of us can relate to that, but somehow knowing that she is a bipolar patient, you know, turns it up a notch in people's minds. For Christy, however, her diagnosis of bipolar automatically labeled her. I can imagine that when the sheriff's personnel was called about Christy being missing and they questioned the dental employees and were told of her history of bipolar disorder, that they began to formulate their own assumption that no foul play was involved. Why do I say this? Am I assuming? No. All of the interviews or statements given by the local sheriff's department regarding her disappearance stated that they did not suspect foul play. You know, not sure what other than her mental health disorder they could have established this on. Um, the details of her disappearance were very sketchy. You know, the, this, this is where I have a really hard time with it. You know, because she's an adult, they did not suspect foul play. She was labeled as a voluntary missing person as opposed to a suspicious missing or critical missing person. This classification had a direct effect on certain aspects of this case, and in my opinion, slowed down things enough to allow critical evidence to be missed. One important piece of evidence that should have been seized upon was footage of the shopping center parking lots from both the, the dental office to the Rite Aid to the Bed Bath & Beyond. Because of the voluntary missing status, Christie's parents stepped into action on their own before that status was changed to critical missing a month after she disappeared. Now let that sink in for a minute because what was first, you know, suspected not to be foul play and she was considered voluntary missing because of a couple of factors here. A month later, that changed to critical missing. So I just, you know, want to point out that if they still believed a month later that there was no foul play or that she voluntarily left on her own, why was the status changed to critical? Um, they hired, the, her parents hired bloodhounds on their own. And if they hadn't, we may not ever have known that Christy had been in that bed, bath, and beyond. Needless to say, by the time the case was escalated by law enforcement and the video surveillance had, had long since been erased or taped over. 
it, it was gone. They did not have a video record of her movements that day. All we have are what the bloodhounds hit on. Okay, so if she had walked out, let's say, with someone else from that store, even under duress, it would have been captured on video and we might have had a really solid lead. I say that because of an incident that also happened in the local mall, um, not far from that time that Christy went missing. And I'm not going to say that this is what happened to Christy, okay? But I do want to point it out because this is why the classification of voluntary missing just really sticks with me. Um, There was an incident of a mother and daughter, a daughter who was in her 20s, so clearly an adult, shopping with her mother at the mall. The daughter had to use the restroom, and she went down one of those long mall corridors to go to the public restroom there, and the mother waited um, in the mall at the beginning of that corridor rather than going down in there with her. Now, when I say this is a local mall, this is right in the adjacent city to where Chrissy disappeared. So it's very local. It's maybe nine miles away. So the mother was waiting and waiting and waiting. Her daughter had not come out yet. So suddenly she hears something like down the corridor, turns around, and three um, young women or girls had her daughter in their arms and were trying to escort her daughter out the back emergency exit of this corridor. When the mother sees this, she screams down the hallway, what are you doing? You know, and they say, oh, our friend just had a little too much to drink and we are going to just take her home so she can go lay down. The mother screams, wait, that's my daughter. At which point they drop her and run out the back exit. Okay, um, come to find out, it seems that the, the daughter had been drugged somehow. They're trying to pull her out of the back of this place. I mention this because there isn't a, I don't know if I want to use the word high incidence, but I will just say that there is quite a bit of sex or human trafficking that goes on up and down the main corridor of this area, which is the Interstate 15 corridor. It's between Los Angeles, San Diego, and Vegas. Um, And there are also a lot of instances up here where you know, young girls or young women go missing and they're pimped out. So this is a situation that happened not too far away from when Krista disappeared. So to know that she went into this bed, bath and beyond, went into the bathroom and then came back out of that bathroom, went out of the store and instead of walking to her truck, went around the side of a building and then the scent is lost there at that side of that building is very, very suspicious to me. Okay, so... I want to go down further here and talk about the other issue was this discovery of Christie's truck. It was abandoned in the desert in an area about 9.5 miles from her last known whereabouts. Because of the voluntary missing status given to Christie, the truck was not processed at the scene where it was found. It stayed in the desert for three days until it was finally impounded and processed at another location. This allowed for a tow truck driver to be inside the vehicle, which could have contaminated the scene. This is the part where I think the system failed big time. If we can't separate the stigma of mental health disorders from the people suffering from them, then cases like this will forever be mishandled. Now, I just want to state, this is my opinion. Um, I'm not calling specific people out. Um, 
I, I will also put a footnote here. <clears throat> Living up in this area, I do know that there is um, an increasing amount of crime going on just over the six years that I've been here. It's gone from, you know, a lot of uh, theft, burglaries, what have you, to a lot of gang activity, to a lot of drug activity, to, as I mentioned before, the sex trafficking issue. Um, there are now there's quite a lot of armed robberies and a ton of traffic accidents on a daily basis here. So the sheriffs do have their hands full, no doubt about it. Totally understand that. I am concerned with the fact that whether it is just our state, um, I'm going to be looking into how widespread this classification system is for how we classify adults that go missing, regardless of their health status, mental health status, um, marital status, whatever it may be. Um, we have a system in place to protect children, um, Amber Alert, <clears throat> and, and a lot of times in these situations, um, if there is an Amber Alert, the child is recovered, obviously, then the Amber Alert is called off. Um, it bothers me that someone in Christie's situation could be considered just that she walked off on her own, off the face of the earth, voluntarily, and not even try to look for her until we consider it a critical missing. Um, so let me go on further here. Having bipolar disorder doesn't automatically make you erratic or prone to just disappearing on your own without any explanation. In fact, studies show that people with mental health disorders are more likely to become victims of a violent crime. That is very much the case because they do become more vulnerable, especially in a case of somebody who has been weaning off their medication. Um, that doesn't make them more erratic automatically, but it can make them more vulnerable. So to think that it um, would put her more in a voluntary status baffles me because I would think that that would make her much more of a critical missing person. Just as if a dementia patient walks off and their family is looking for them, they, they are a critical missing. And we should consider the same with mental health disorders, in my opinion. The fact that the bloodhounds could not find Christie's scent at the scene where her truck was found raises a huge red flag for me. Had she driven there herself and then gotten out of the truck and wandered off, wouldn't they have caught her scent there? And if she was really so flustered at the dentist's office and was so upset that she just decided to take off, then why go fill a prescription right away? Why tell a friend you're on your way over if you have no intention of going? I mean, somebody who is um, having what can only be described as a breakdown, quote unquote. Um, do they make plans like this for themselves and detailed plans for their day, their night? Um, and this is also a woman who was very close to her parents, who never went a day without calling, you know, telling what she was doing, where she was going. Um, just not being in contact and not coming home was not her MO. It just wasn't, uh, which is why her parents felt the need to get the bloodhounds to see what happened to their daughter right away, to not just wait it out. Um, let's see, I've looked at this case top to bottom. I still keep coming back to the same conclusion. Christy was behaving that day exactly as she should have been. She had plans and stuck to the course of her day. 
even though she wasn't feeling great and wasn't able to get her tooth worked on. She didn't fall into a pile of mush and not go about her day. By all accounts and examining her actions, Christy behaved perfectly normal for anyone in her situation that day. This quote by a sergeant on the case really stuck with me. Quote, We can commonly get a lot of adults reported missing that have lived with family for a long period of their lives into their 30s or 40s who get fed up and decide to leave. Unquote. To assume that this is the case because someone is an adult living at home is ludicrous. The wait and see mentality needs to stop and a system needs to be in place to assume someone could be in trouble. Yes, even those with mental illness. I would say especially those with mental illness. Those individuals can indeed be at a higher risk of being taken advantage of than the general population. What happened to Christy when she stepped out of bed, bath, and beyond? How much critical time was lost in investigating her case? And was it due to the stigma of mental illness? In our next episode, we will talk more about the finding of Christy's truck, the location where it was found, and mysterious cell phone pings after the truck was already impounded. This case has many twists and turns, and we will be exploring all of them. Stay tuned.